All right. Uh, is my good? Is it good? Am I ready? Am I emotionally ready and prepared? No. He said no. I could talk. I could talk for a minute. I, I, I can't do it under pressure like that. I don't know how to. No. Uh, so I guess I'll just greet everyone while we're figuring out the mic. Uh, we got a new mic because all the cell phone companies took our, uh, our frequency. So we had to get a mic that had a different frequency. And apparently that's a big thing because every friend I have that's a pastor, even in other states, I've been like, that happened to you? Like, yeah, it sucked. And I was like, yeah, hit us now. Uh, we got, I got the thumbs up. Forget everything I was talking about. Let's give a shout for Jesus. All right. Uh, so for today, because it was uh, daylight savings and you are all a little tired, listen, I'm just happy you're here today. That is half the battle on any weekend that involves daylight savings. Like, I barely made it. Uh, my wife's like, oh, I'm surprised Titus didn't wake up. And then he woke up, and we're like, oh, that's about right. Uh, you know, he, 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 he's mad. He doesn't like daylight savings. He's already, this is his first one ever, and he's already figured out they're the worst thing ever. Um, <laughs> and I never forget, I didn't even remember it was daylight savings. My phone just, I was just extra tired this morning, and I was like, what is happening? Um, tech age, who even cares anymore, right? My phone just lets me know, and I'm just, actually, my phone didn't let me know enough of that. All right, so uh, <laughs> I get it. Hear you loud and clear by not hearing you. Uh, next topic. Uh, what do you guys want to talk about today? I'm uh, uh, Jesus. Fine. All right, so we've been in the middle of our three pillars series. Uh, basically, what we're saying is these are the three pillars we believe our church needs to be built on. These are the three pillars we believe that you should build your families, your personal relationships uh, upon. We think that your life should be built upon these three pillars. And we actually think that as we learn this as a church body together, that it will begin to pour into our day-to-day -day lives. And basically, what I'm saying is I believe that if you really focused in on these three things— uh, you would accidentally fulfill the entirety of Scripture. And that is the first pillar is, we're calling it first love, as in my relationship with God, as in keeping an intentional and personal relationship with your Lord Jesus Christ, right? Uh, we don't believe in some distant, faraway God. Uh, we don't even just believe in a God that came and died for us. We believe in a God that resurrected and filled us with his spirit. So he's never far away. He's never distant. He's never gone. Just sometimes I'm a little less aware of him. And as I begin to focus and pour the all of me into that relationship, uh, I'll naturally fall into pillar two, which is our community. Uh, we believe that the Bible has called us to be in community with fellow brothers and sisters, right? Not just I'm with a lot of people, but with I'm with Christians who are also giving their all to God and building me in that direction. And last but not least, we believe the third pillar of this church and uh, your lives and the Bible would be evangelism, as in reaching out to those who are lost, those who are broken, and those who haven't heard the message that needs to be preached. Amen? For how could they believe? If no one preaches, all right? And so we believe that as long as you do those three things, you just you accidentally do everything, right? I mean, Jesus said the same way, right? Love God and love your neighbor, right? So I just split neighbor into the two different kinds of neighbors in the Bible so we can talk about it, all right? But burp. Um, who was that? Was that my son? That wasn't my son. Okay. Then quiet your kid. If it's my son, it's okay. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> it's not fair, but it's, it's how I, my heart feels. But the heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? So what are you going to do? Uh, but today uh, we're going to talk on first love, our very first pillar. We're continuing our talk uh, because I got stuck on it. It was only supposed to be four weeks. It is looking like it's going to be four months, which is hilarious. Uh, and let's talk about it. Out of options. Can I say out of options? 
Can y'all say, I'm out of options? Tell your neighbor you're out of options. I hate when churches do that <laughs> so much. It's so uncomfortable, but literally look at your neighbor and tell them, do you know G? I'm just kidding. Um, out of options, all right? Uh, if you got your Bible, let me see your Bible. Let's do all the fun church stuff that you're supposed to do in church. See, some of y'all raised your Bible and your notebook because it's all in the same thing. It's your phone. All I'm saying is if you bring an actual Bible to church, I have a Bible verse that says you get to sit closer to Jesus in heaven. And you wouldn't know if I'm lying or not unless you brought your Bible. Uh, so if you bring it and look over it, you can check it out, right? Uh, I also believe you get a better seat in heaven if you take good notes. Um, a, long, a short pencil is better than a long memory. You know what they're saying? Uh, amen. 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 All right. Any other charismatic thing and super Christianese thing I can do before we talk about Jesus? Anything else? Bless coming in and bless going out. I'm excited today. <laughs> How y'all doing today? Blessed and highly favored. I mean, I beat my wife last night, but blessed and highly favored, right? Because that's how we do. The, the Everyone got the good Christian mask on because we're going to act a certain way, and that's how Jesus moves. Um, what? No, let's not talk about that. Uh, so out of options, all right? It's not biblical, but let's talk about it. Out of options. Um, have you ever... Let's be honest with ourselves. Have you ever had a day or like a church service or you've been to some event or some something where God moves so crazy? You're like on fire. You're like, I'll never be the same. I'm in it. Cloud nine. God is good. And like the next week, you're back to normal. <laughs> uh, I really, as I begin to, it's like so quiet in the room today. And I don't think it's your guys' fault. It's like ambient noise, like in my head right now. Um, and it's just this, this roller coaster, right? If I'm on fire for God, I'm not doing none of this. I'm staying clean. I'm staying pure. And like one thing happens and it's like a roller coaster of emotions, right? And we all like to think that we're like really put together. And I see everyone posting their ill wisdom on Facebook. But then like really we're just like whoosh, whoosh, just going on an adventure before God. Because most people I know really aren't that consistent. And so I begin to ask myself why. And I ask myself why because as a pastor, my week was so emotional. My heart was so everywhere it was awesome but like not you know what i'm saying <laughs> um him too him too um And so I began to really study and look into the Bible. I began to really look. And I have a section of scripture I want us to look over as we really kind of go over this topic and really kind of just let's talk about it, right? Uh, But because it's an entire chapter I want to talk about, I figured if I read you a whole chapter, like people would fall asleep on me. Uh, So I'm going to describe the chapter and we're going to end on the last 10 verses, right? Sound good? So if you go to John chapter 6, and thank you for whoever wooed me, I love you. I'm going to ride that woo for like a minute and a half before I need another one. Um, (laughs) Because it's like this roller coaster right (laughs) thank you guys Uh, so John chapter 6 is like like that chapter is so full of like 18 different sermons that we've heard a thousand times and I want to preach all of them today Um, and I got 45 minutes to do it but um, we'll see what happens um, so in this story, where we're at, just for some context before I read you the 10 verses at the end, because I, I believe we can do 10 verses together. 10's the number of testing. I figured we could test our, I mean, I don't got a Bible verse for saying that's the number of testing, but that's what they say in Christianese. So 10's the number of testing, so we're going to test our attention span uh, for a little bit today. But um, Jesus is healing people. It's a good day. If you read chapter 5 and go into chapter 6, there's probably, most scholars believe, about a six-month gap. 
right? And so from chapter five to chapter six, it's been about six months. And now six months after Jesus just like burnt the house down, uh, he's out and praying for people and people are getting healed, right? Which is a good day. Like it's a good day to be a sick person when Jesus is healing people, right? And so people are in the presence of Jesus. Uh, the coronavirus is getting cast out, right? I'm not supposed to bring that up because it makes people uncomfortable. Uh, the, so people are getting healed left and right. And, uh, but now that guy's inside of me, so I'm a little more comfortable about it. Um, and Jesus is like, all right, I'm good. We're done for the day. And people are like, yeah, but we're hungry. So Jesus says, okay, uh, you, get them food. And it's like, how are we going to get them food, right? And so you've heard the story a thousand times probably because, uh, I mean, I was watching the X-Files as a kid, and, and one of the characters talked about the story. Like, you can't escape this story, like, you know? Um, but they called it a parable. It's, it's not a parable. It actually happened. Don't get your theology from X-Files is all I'm saying. Uh, but so, 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 so Jesus looks at his people and they go, how are we going to do it? And he's like, he said, he said this to test them. And so he says, which is a great time. He says, actually, just bring me some bread. And I'm going to break it all apart. And I'm going to hand it out to people. Right? What I think is really cool about that section of scripture is the Bible says that Jesus handed the bread out. Right? And so like later in the Bible where there's another feeding and it says the disciples handed it out and so I'm kind of inclined to believe that this time around Jesus was breaking bread and handing it to people because they didn't have the faith quite yet to believe but he's building it in them right and so Jesus is now handing bread to people and it's like multiplying in his hands and it's like you know it's probably I heard a comedian saying I believe it to be true it's probably pretzel bread because that's like the best kind of bread ever and so Jesus has like pretzel bread and he's handing it out to everyone you know cheese dipping sauce probably didn't exist back then but I mean God it's man he's just splitting it out from heaven and so I mean at this point like it could be pretzel bread um and so then since you can't prove to me it's not it's pretzel bread and so God is just handing pretzel bread to everyone he can and they're like this is the best bread ever he's amazing and it's like that's right um and so everyone starts to eat and then Jesus goes, all right. And they go, wow, this, this pretzel bread's amazing. And it says they tried to go and force him to be king. I got some good bread. <laughs> That's what, I'm no more reason I think it's pretzel bread. Uh, because the only time I've ever eaten bread and go, like, I'm going to worship this person, it, it was actually pretzel bread. Um, so it's not a youth service, but it feels like it needs to be one. You know? Uh, so, so they go, like, oh, my God, this is amazing. We're going to make him king, like the king of the pretzel bread. So Jesus leaves, and he goes away and starts teaching a message to his disciples. And, and it's nighttime now. And he goes, like, go across. I'm going to stay here and pray. I'll meet y'all later. And they're like, but we have the boat. And he's like, I'm going to meet y'all later. Trust me. <laughs> I made pretzel bread. I can get across the river um, or the lake, whatever it is. So they're going across, and the disciples are having the hardest time of their lives. Again, now we're shifting into the next story that everyone's heard a thousand times, right? And suddenly the disciples are panicking. They're like, we're going to die, and Jesus just comes strolling on water, right? So from pretzel bread to walking on water, it's like, this, what is this guy doing, you know? Um, and he just walks by. And actually, if you read that Bible verse, we, I think we like to picture that Jesus was walking to his terrified disciples to meet them. But actually, in the Greek, it says he intended to walk past them. He had no intention of meeting them. He was like, good luck, dudes. Love you. I'm going to go over here and meet you when you're over there. But Peter cries out. And so we're going to focus a lot on Peter today because Peter gets a bad rap. But in this story, it's like, I want to be like Peter. Right, so let's be like Peter today. Uh, so Peter goes, God, can I help you? And because John wrote this, and it seems like maybe Peter and John 
kind of go back and forth a little bit. If you read this story, Peter didn't walk on water. <laughs> but all the other times this happens, Peter walked on water. But John's like, something else happened, I forget what. And then we made it to the other side. <laughs> but, but we know that Peter was like, let's go. And he jumps out on the water. And sure, he tanks. But at least he walked on water, y'all. You know what I'm saying? Like, like that kind of faith. Like that, that song, that oceans, that like eight minute, ten minute song. And it's like we're only in it for the bridge. And we just got to suffer through the eight minutes to get to that bridge. Which like, spirit lead me. And you're like, yeah. And like, God's moving. And like, the pastor comes out and goes, are you ready to walk before you? Right? That whole moment. Peter's in that moment. Right? And he's there. And he's ready. And he's on fire. And so he's walking. And then he sees the waves. And he sees the distraction. And he starts to sink. And what do you do when you start to sink? I mean, I had the faith to walk on water, but I got faith for one more thing. Jesus, help me. And so he's like, got you, bro. And he puts him in the water. And then John says, immediately they were on land. And I don't know what that means. Because <laughs> apparently, like, like, I think immediately, I think, like, teleporting or something. But, you know, I never noticed that before. It was actually John Tahista one time texted me. He goes, so they teleport or what? And I read it, and I was like, like my baby. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how to answer this question. Uh, <laughs> Um, and, but I played it off pastorally, looked up like eight concordances and went to John. I was like, yes, so what I learned back in the day, um, because I studied the Bible day and night, uh, was that I have no idea. And so they get to the other side and now the story goes back to the other people and they wake up, they see the boat's gone. They see Jesus is gone. They're out of pretzel bread and they're gonna go find it. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So they travel back across the water and they find Jesus there. And they say, we're following you. And Jesus goes, you're only following me because you want the pretzel bread. I got to stop making that joke, but I'm stuck on it. Like, I'm as stuck as, like, the salt is on the bread. That makes it so amazing when you eat the pretzel bread. Um, It's not even a good joke, but we're here. And so, like, so they go, like, we want pretzel bread. And he goes, you're only following me for this bread. And they go, that's not true. And he's like, he's like, well, let me, how about instead I give you better bread? How about instead I give you the bread of life? And they're like, that sounds good. Is it better than, what's better than pretzel bread? Like, no, no, nothing's better than pretzel bread. That's the answer to the question. Maybe that Wetzel pretzel where they have like the pepperoni pizza one. Like, so maybe he's saving that for a greater day. Um, But (laughs) I got a sermon, Jesus, he's here. Like, I'm just happy to be here. You guys happy to be here? I'm stuck on that today. Anyway, um, so they look to Jesus, and they're like, that sounds amazing. Better than pretzel bread, I'm in. And Jesus goes, okay, so eat of me and drink my blood. And so they say, wait, 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 one more time. Like, run this past me, right? Uh, I I watched uh, one time I was talking with an atheist who didn't like Jesus, and he said, like, like, I, I don't want to follow a zombie who wants us to cannibalize him. And I was like, because he rose from the dead. And he said, oh, my God, that's clever, right? Um, <laughs> it's bad, but it was, I, mean, I was like, this to me is what he said. And so they're looking, and they're like, this is a hard teaching. And he goes, they're like, what sign are you going to do to prove this? And he goes, like, oh, you mean like yesterday when I fed you guys out of nothing? You already forgot? <laughs> no, no. And he just, what he does is he makes the message even harder. So before it was bread of life, and they're like, they're like, okay, show us a sign about this. And he goes, I'm the bread of life. I come down from heaven, right? And they're like, but aren't you the son of Joseph and Mary? Like, we know you. You didn't come down from heaven. 
you came out as an illicit affair, right? And then Jesus goes, no, if you want this, you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And now we can read about it. Uh, so I got us up to the 10 verses. We're in it, all right? Let's read these 10 verses. We're really, we're going to really like dig a hole and just sit in today and we're going to talk about. Uh, and when many of his disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? Which, by the way, that will preach. If you follow God and really give up the things he's called you to give up and really pick up the things he's called you to pick up and really give your life to follow him, you will say this many times. This is a hard saying. Who can follow this? And the reason why they have an option to not follow it is because they followed Jesus, but they kept a backup plan. So, so they're deciding, which should I do? And when many of his disciples heard it, oh, 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 61, let's go. But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, do you take offense to this? See, he just began to give them a peek in at the window of communion. And it was too hard for them to grasp. But Jesus, knowing in himself that, I think I already read it, let's keep moving. Uh, then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? So what if I just left y'all? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is of no avail. So he's saying you can't understand this because you're not looking through the Spirit. You're looking through your worldly perspective. And unfortunately, I know in my life for sure, because I'm an emotional roller coaster kind of person, that preaches a little too close to home. But the words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. You're good, you can keep moving. Uh, but there are some of you who do not believe, for Jesus knew from the beginning who those were that who would not believe and who it was who would betray him, which I know like you, maybe some people get uncomfortable when I pause long enough. Uh, God knows the beginning from the end. That means whoever's going to come into salvation, he already knows. And so I'm not saying predestination in the sense of God just decided, I don't want to save you, I don't want to save you, but I'm going to save you, I'm going to save you. But there is predestination in the sense that God already knows. His plan's already set in motion. But we got to use that as encouragement, right? Like a good example I've been talking to people about is their fear of like the coronavirus, right? If God has a plan for you two years from now, this actually can't kill you now no matter how hard it tries, right? Because when God knows the beginning from the end, he's got a plan set in place for you. And just like I can't control my plan, no one else can either. And I'm going to get where God's called me to get, right? And so Jesus isn't confused by this. He's not torn up. He's not wondering. He knows how this is going to play out. Which that'll preach, but let's keep moving. 65, and he said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it's granted to him by the Father. And all the people who don't want to believe that said, la, 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 la. And we keep moving to verse 66. Now, where's Travis today? He would be loving this. I hope he listens to the podcast and hears that he's in it. And after this, oh my God, the number of the beast. And after this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. They turned back and no longer walked with him. Where did they turn back to? Plan B? Wherever they came from. Wherever, if this Jesus thing doesn't work, that place. So I'm turning, I'm turning back to that. So when Jesus called us to die again and pick up our cross, and when Jesus said, if you look back from the plowshare, you're unworthy for the kingdom, what he's saying is, if you follow me, there is no back. 
And so when it doesn't make sense and you want to quit, but someone told me this, it's the wisest thing someone's ever told me. He goes, if you have a plan B, you will take it someday. Jesus actually preaches that a lot. But we'll talk about that point because I, I do want to like really talk about it later. Um, after this, many of his disciples, okay, so Jesus said to the 12, do you want to go as well? And what I think is so important about this, if we go to the next verse, uh, but Simon Peter answered him. Now, this will be a, like something we're going to go back to later, so draw attention to it. Um, he asked the 12, but only one man answered. And just like if we go back just a couple hours before, there were 12 people in a boat, but only one man called out to Jesus. And what we're seeing right here is 11 people are going to be blessed because they hung on to one man who was all about God. Community is so crucial. And who you surround yourself with is so crucial. Because when everyone wanted to leave, one man said, and so 11 go, he's right. And they fell in line. And so Simon Peter said, Lord, to whom shall we go? Translation, I got nowhere else to go. See, when Jesus called him, he had to leave his job behind. He dropped a fish and jumped out of the boat. He wasn't welcome back at his job. <laughs> so where can I go? I gave up everything to follow you. And you have the words of eternal life. And with our last verse, we said, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. I'm going to pray real quick, and let's talk for, I don't have a timer, so next three hours and 45 Oh, that was the longest open I've had in a long time. All right, dear Lord in heaven, we thank you, God. We love you, Lord. We thank you for the opportunity to come before you to discuss your word, to hear your truth, Father God. God, I pray that this truth would begin to impact us, God, and from a heart true level, God, where we'd begin to submit our lives unto you in a deeper degree, God, follow you and pursue you in a deeper degree, God, that these things wouldn't be things we'd hear and work on, but God, these would be things we'd internalize and it would change us, God, for it's your word that changes us, from the inside out. Lord, we love you and we praise you for all things. And in Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen. And everybody said? Amen. <laughs> and third time because the Trinity. Uh, and everybody said? Amen. <laughs> because the Trinity, yeah. Um, okay, so I mentioned in the very beginning of this talk that I'm like an emotional roller coaster kind of person. And so I, I'm going to talk about something that I know all of us can feel on a certain level, but, like, you only feel it to the level that I do if you're also that kind of crazy person. I've noticed in marriages there's typically one and then the other, right? And so, like, my wife is kind of more a down-to-earth person, and, like, her emotions fluctuate kind of like this. But then there's me, and it's like, let's go, right? Like, I'm ready to party, and then I'm ready to cry in, like, the same minute. Um, and so I'm, I'm a pretty emotional guy. And I also have this thing because of that where I have like visions of grandeur every time I begin to partake in something. And I've talked about this a little bit, but I want to bring it back, right? Like I have been going to the gym for like two weeks and then, I, man, I got the, the, I got the clothes. I went and bought like the, the freaking workout stuff and I, I just did it all. I spent money. Like I laid down money from like Titus's fun. I'm just kidding. But um, this was actually before he was born. But I was like, man, just pouring money into like, I'm going to work out in like two weeks in. I was like, tomorrow. And tomorrow, because I had visions of grandeur. Like, I went all in, like everything, right? Just went to the best, paid the best course. Um, and, and, then I was, and then I was done, just like that. Like, it was a great emotional moment to really believe. Like, you know, picture, yeah, I'm going to be chiseled. God is good. He's all that. But it's like, wait, I have to work for it longer than a week? I'm... I'm out, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, and, and like so many people are that way, but it's like, I know when everyone signs up to the gym, it's just like first thought, 
I'm going to look good naked, right? It's just the first thing we all think it's what we're all about. I have three things I want to do. I want to look good naked. I want to be able to throw my kid across the pool, and I want to live past 30, right? And so I believe if I work out, those things will happen, and yet all three of those things weren't more important than the fact that I was like, yeah, but tomorrow, <laughs> Like, why start today what you could do tomorrow? Like, that's just the word from the Lord. Um, but, like, I find that this kind of mentality pours into so many parts of my life. Like, every week on Sunday, I make my schedule, and I pack it. And I think to myself, I'm going to be so dang productive. And then I'm like, well, I didn't give myself a rest day. Well, I mean, most people get a weekend, right? And so, like, I, so why, why, why don't I get a weekend? And then it's like, as, as I begin to look and then people start to cancel on me, I'm just like, oh, man, I'm, yeah, I'm praying for you. Like, oh, man, we got to meet again sometime. And then it's like immediately nap time. I've talked about that before, right? It's like I got to act like, oh, yeah, man, you're right. Oh, man, I really wanted to meet. And it's like, dun, 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 dun. Um, <laughs> And it's bedtime immediately, and it's nap time. I'm going to go play a video game, but it's like, oh, I'm not the one that canceled, right? So, like, I have these visions of, like, I'm going to change the world, and then, like, as things fall apart, I'm just like, oh, thank, thank God. Like, I just dream so big so early, and then I, like, like I had a dentist appointment recently, and Titus was so happy to be there. And it's like, I'm just looking at it. I kept telling him the whole time, like, you're just happy because you don't have teeth. Someday you're going to hate this place. Right now it means nothing to you. Uh, but it, it's terrible for me. And, like, so when I, my wife's like, hey, you have a dentist appointment in a week, I was like, oh, man, I need to start flossing again. <laughs> and so, like, but then, like, I have seven days, and so on the sixth day, I'm like, yeah, but, like, tomorrow. And, like, around, like, day three or four, I'm like, oh, man, I start actually flossing. And then the dentist goes, you flossing? I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, it's off and on because technically uh, I'm not lying, right? And so it's just like, like the dentist begins to, like, oh, man, so you got to start doing it more. And I'm like, you're absolutely right. And then, like, after the dentist, it's like, I'm back at it. Like, I'm working on it. Like, I think I can solidly, I think it's, like, usually, like, twice a week or so. Like, but I'm a work in progress, and God is good, you know? Um, but, like, I'm really trying. But it's, like, when there's this looming thing, like, this God move, or, like, there's this, like, I, I have a vision of grandeur. It's so easy to run. But then after a few days, all that's left is my character and who I really am. <laughs> right? All that's left is there's no grandeur, and, man, I got to do this. And you know for a fact, we all do that when it comes to God. Almost every person in the world. And it's like, you know, I'm a pastor, so it's like the expectation is like, oh, he's always going to be up. And it's like, that is just super not the case. That's my wife. She keeps me grounded um, because I don't know how to stay grounded. It's just like just soaring to the clouds and then crash landing. It's awesome. Um, but this week, I had one of those weeks. <laughs> if I could be completely honest, I had a week where I was just like, yeah, I'm going to be on fire for God. And the week, yeah, the week just like kicked my butt this week. You ever, you ever have that? And so like, I, you ever go into your secret place to pray, and it's like you feel like your week is beating up your prayer time. And it's like, I just can't focus on God like I want to focus. I just can't put him first like I want to put him first. And, and, and so I'm looking at this, and I'm trying to pray, and I'm feeling all these emotions bubble up. And so I did the thing I recommend everyone do, but people rarely do. I called my pastor, <laughs> right? I called my leader, and I called Pastor Zach over at Encounter Church, and I was like, yo, this is what's happening, and uh, I don't even know what to do. <laughs> and he began to speak life to me. He began to draw my focus away from what he correctly deduced was you're looking at yourself too much. And he began to focus my attention back to Jesus, and suddenly the week was easy. 
right? Like it's easy to floss when the dentist is coming up in three days, right? It's easy to pray when your focus is on Jesus. Uh, but the second you walk past it, it's hard to stay on that again because like I flossed my teeth last night, but it's only because I knew I was going to talk about this and it reminded me, right? And so I was like, that's right. I flossed my teeth. So I can tell you all last night I flossed my teeth. Like it's fantastic. God is moving in this place right now. Um, and, and, but it's so easy when that reminder's not there. Now, I just have to build the character and the kind of person to look, but the reason why I keep looking away is I have other things to look at. And so Pastor Zach quoted the Isaiah verse to me. Uh, I, I posted it last night, funnily enough, like I was flossing my teeth, and then I posted it right after. Um, and that's, that's a real story. Um, and, and it's just when Isaiah was falling apart, when he was feeling overburdened, and he felt like he, felt like, like he put it, I feel like I'm going to be shamed. Uh, he said that God spoke to him, and he, and he said, I made my face as flint before you. And so he's like, I looked in one direction to God, and I didn't look in any other way. And he said, and then I knew I would not be ashamed. And so Isaiah was falling apart because he was looking at his city. He was looking at what God wasn't doing for the people. He was looking at his insecurities. He was looking at his shortcomings. He was looking at the fact that people weren't accepting the word of God and they were denying God and it was breaking his heart. And God said, hey, as long as you look to me, I'm gonna make this work out. And so he said, I made my face as flint and I looked to God again. And I thought that's a great word. And then it was so easy to shift back. And so I just began to ask myself the question of like, why do I, why do I keep looking back? What, what, what is, am I looking at? And what, what's in me that is causing me to look at something that takes me away from the God that's going to heal me from this thing? It's like we see so much fear and terror all throughout the city. And I keep seeing the funny memes of like, yeah, I'm glad that people are finally washing their hands. Like, you know, like this is probably a good thing. Uh, but, but people are moving out of fear and being clean out of fear is never a good thing because once the fear subsides, you'll go back to being dirty, all right? But if you become clean as just a character of who you are, if I'm just the kind of person who washes my hands after I use the restroom, I don't have to panic when they're like, hey, the answer is to wash your hands. I'm like, but what? How do you do that, right? Um, but if I just would be, right? And so these companies are like, whoa, why is everyone buying things? And it's partially because people are stocking up, but it's also partially because there are some houses in the Las Vegas area that now has soap for the first time in like 10 years. And that is a fact. And so it's like, so we're just like, we're balancing out around here. And, uh, but that, that fact of like, if I could just build this as who I am, I wouldn't have to worry when the moment comes. And so I began to ask myself about that and I began to study this point in scripture. And I would like to today take three points out of that section of scripture and really focus in on three moments. And like I said, I wanna compare with each moment, I wanna compare and point out how Peter is a prime example when it comes to the circumstance of I wanna fall apart, but I need to keep moving forward, right? And I love this guy because Peter's the guy that Jesus called Satan. And he still kept following him. It's like, all right. I say it all the time. If God part of the heavens, like you're acting like Satan right now, I think I'd be down for at least two weeks. Just like emotionally putting myself back together. But Peter's like, my bad. And he just kept following him. And I'm like, how did you do that? There's something about him. When he gets his mind on something, he's good, right? And so that's the funny thing about Peter is God never changed who Peter was. He kind of redirected him because Peter was always hard-headed. But then when God said, no, be hard-headed about me, suddenly he was in the will of God. Nothing changed. Just what he was focusing on changed. God 
God made you a certain way, and it's important, and it's important for the body. You're not different because you're not submitted. You're different because God made you for a separate purpose, right? But every purpose comes with its own inherent weaknesses, and many of us, our weakness is it's so hard to keep focused on him. And so the first thing I want to point out is um, <laughs> uh, make sure you're pursuing God for the right reasons. Uh, make sure you're pursuing God for the right reasons. It's really easy to be disappointed in God if you got him for the wrong reasons. And many of us believe God has promised us certain things that you can go all over scripture and the promise just isn't there. And that's why when you have trouble making rent, you and God aren't so good that week. It's because now it's like, wait, but, but God was supposed to take care. That was the deal, but it wasn't the deal. He will take care of you, but that's not a promise. That's just because he's good. <laughs> If someone walked up to you and gave you 10 bucks every week because they love you, and then one week they missed it, you don't have a right to be mad at them. They didn't take anything away from you, right? right? And so when Jesus comes and blesses us, and we have a moment where it seems like he's not, it's not that he took something away. We have no right to be upset. God is good, and he has a plan for us, and he will take care of us, and he will prosper us. Those are facts, and those are words, but we have to make sure our prosperity is from a perspective of what does God say prosperity is, because it is not your house. Or else there is not a single Christian in Africa. Make sure you're pursuing God for the right reasons. I want to take you to Proverbs chapter 21, verse 2. Proverbs chapter 21, verse 2. And this verse says, I love it so much. And it says, uh, every way of a man is right in his own eyes. Or her eyes, right? It's not. Okay. Uh, but the Lord weighs the heart. Let's keep that up for just one second. Um. Those are both heart issues. The way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the heart. Meaning, the way you want to go seems right to your heart, but the Lord's still weighing your motives anyway. And just because your heart was convinced doesn't mean it was right. And so the people, the Bible even promises us, we'll follow paths, maybe even paths that God chiseled out, but we're following it for the wrong reason. And God is still going to guide us, and he's still going to direct us. But there's going to come a point where you have to come face-to-face with the truth. Man, I'm in this for the wrong reason. And I'm not saying that's everyone's issue, but I think for some of us, when we look to God, it's because of disappointment, or it's because something's not working out. Uh, But if you had really settled in our hearts, right? If we had settled in our hearts, I'm going to follow God even when things don't work out. When things weren't working out, we wouldn't be surprised. But we're still surprised because we say, I'm following you and you alone, but I'm following for this breakthrough. And we have to move that away because that breakthrough is not coming until your heart is right. Amen? And so I want to compare something real quick. If we look at the multitude that Peter was hanging out with, right? Jesus comes and gives them bread. Pretzel bread, right? The bread of the Lord, right? He comes and he brings them this bread and then he gives them a harsh word. Eat of me. And what do they do? They leave him. Let's go to Peter. Peter is fishing on a boat. And Jesus comes and brings all the fish, right? And he says, leave everything behind. Follow me and I'll make you a fisher of man. What's that? That's a hard word. And Peter leaves everything and follows Jesus. Proving he established his experience with Jesus on the foundation of I'm leaving everything to follow you. And so when temptations came and when temptations arose, he looked back and he's like, well, I mean, I, got, I have nowhere else to go. God, I have to follow you. 
where the multitude, they followed him with their backup plan. And the second it got hard, the second the word was too real, the second it was, oh man, it would be easier to go do this, they went and they did that. And it's two people doing the same thing, experiencing God in the exact same way and responding radically different. How did you come to God? What is your heart towards God? Are you following him because he's good? Are you following him because he gives good things? Colossians 3.17 is absolutely the answer to this. And it says, and whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Everything. Everything. It's from the cat in the hat, for those of you who don't know. Um, doing everything in the name of the Lord. Everything. And so that's an easy thing to preach. It's a hard thing to do. How do you work in the name of the Lord? Because if you're really working in the name of the Lord, your boss would probably have a different perspective of you than he does now. Why are you working this job? Because I believe God called me here. Is it the right answer? Because I have to provide for my family. Is it not a bad answer, but it's still not the right answer? Right? But we have that, right? Those little area of like, here's the, the, the sins that Christians are allowed to do. And one of them is sacrifice my relationship with God to take care of my family. But that's super not biblical. I'm not saying don't take care of them. I'm saying take care of them because you love Jesus. <laughs> right? Don't love Jesus while you're currently successfully taking care of them. And then if it falls apart, it's like, well, this just didn't work out. Back to plan B. For some of you, plan B is a business. For some of you, it's a relationship. For some of you, heck, it's another church. Because God called you here, but I'll go there if this doesn't work out. All right? And you really got to pedal down where you're at. Because as long as you're that wishy-washy, you will never grab what God has for you. But here's the beauty of someone who buckles down and does everything in the name of the Lord. They don't miss a single thing that God has for them. And if you really settle in your heart, no matter what happens, I know what you're doing. I know what you're saying to me. And I'm going to put my foot down no matter what it says. Well, guess what's going to happen? You'll never miss a door. You never look back and go, man, what would have happened if I did that? Because you would know if I did that, it wouldn't have worked out because God called me here. Amen? And I want that confidence for you. I want that you to have that confidence before God in your relationship with him so you don't have to get distracted by your job or your family or your business or whatever it is. And we all have our idol. And honestly, for some of us, it is family. Right? That's a good one worth talking about because every time I do it, it gets really quiet in the room. Some of you will miss church for four weeks straight because family's in town. You won't bring them to church. But would you leave them, because if the Bible says this should be a real family, would you leave them to come see us? Do we have to see things from a worldly perspective or a biblical perspective? And wherever God called you, that's family. And I got a thousand Bible verses, I'm probably exaggerating, but at least five, that blatantly, without translational issues, just say that. Prefer the brethren means prefer the people in your church. Quit forsaking the assembly of the saints. What's the assembly? The ecclesia. What's the ecclesia? That's the church. Oh, that's this building right now, right? That's us meeting in this building. Don't forsake it. Well, but, but, but my job, but my, trust me, if you put second things where they belong, first things elevate the second thing.
right? And so if you want to be a better employee, really go there to worship Jesus, and you'll end up being a better employee, right? If you really want to love this person that you keep putting God to the side to love them, but when you have God in your life, your heart fills in a bigger way. You can love them more than you could have if you tried to love them first. That's a C.S. Lewis quote, and it impacted my life in such a radical way, right? Um, and and a, a good way to think about this is Susanna Wesley, um, which is funny because that's my name and my sister-in-law's name, um, is the mother of John Wesley and Charles Wesley. And this was a guy who wrote like a thousand hymns or something crazy like that. And then a guy who was called the angel of England because he preached all across England. So the mother of these two people, the kids asked, mom, what is sin? And she says this, she says, whatever weakens your reason, impairs the tenderness of your conscience, obscures your sense of God, or takes off the relish for spiritual things, this is sin for you, however innocent it may be in and of itself. So it's not a sin, okay, it may not be. But does it weaken your reason? Do you quit thinking with the spiritual wisdom or does it make you think with the worldly wisdom? Does it impair the tenderness of your heart? Does that thing make you harder? Well, God's really told me to reconnect with this person, but that every time you meet with him, you're mad and you fall apart and away from God. Then he didn't and you're idolizing them over God because they're, they're impacting the tenderness of your heart. Let me just look at this again. Um, obscures your sense of God. Does this thing stop you from prayer? Does this thing stop you? Do you ever look up and go, man, God, where have you been today? Odds are you've been doing things that have distracted your awareness of his presence. It's a sin to you. And lastly, does it take away your relish for spiritual things? What's that thing you'd rather do when you're praying? You probably need to fast it. Where's that place you'd rather be when you finally begrudgingly come to church on Sunday? Because you probably need to cut that thing out of your life. Who are those people you'd rather go hang out with when you're with your brothers and sisters in Christ? Because you probably need to take better care to keep them out of your life. Because they're taking away your relish for spiritual things. And your ketchup for spirit. All right. Um, sorry, it's been too serious for too long. Moving to the second point. But amen. Um, <laughs> that was a great joke. I don't care what anyone says. That was bomb. Oh, I'm going to keep that one. Yeah, you can thumbs down all you think. I got double thumbs up behind you. I love it. <laughs> Amen. But amen, though? Are we good? That makes sense? Are we in it? All right. Surround yourself with people who push you closer to God. That's my second point. So my first point is a lot of times we get distracted because we're in it with God for the wrong reasons. And so we don't even realize we have other options. Right? But if I follow God for my finances, my other option is whatever gets and pays my finances. So follow God for God, even when the finances fall apart, and I promise you he'll take care of you. And our second point is, are you surrounding yourself with the right people? Man, I know some of y'all in this church, and I love you, and I've been a pastor in a church for a long time, and I've, I've been a leader in church for a long time, and what I've experienced is the number one reason why people quit coming to church is because, well, this person said, well, this person is doing, and whenever they go and hang, whenever I hang out with these people, I kind of go back into this mindset or go back into this action, and one day I can't come to church anymore because I'm ashamed or because I'm angry, and then I'm gone from God. And what I've experienced is the number one reason people leave church is other people, oftentimes not even in the building. Although sometimes it is people in the building. But realistically, I think you hold people to a standard in the church that your worldly friends also had. And it's like, so you're inflicting your past relationships on your present ones, and they're not stacking up, but they don't have to stack up. You're supposed to love them. 
Amen? Oh, read a verse. Read a verse. And this one, this one sucks. Ready? Uh, Galatians 1.10. Uh, for am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, read this, I would not be a servant of Christ. If you're still trying to please man, you will leave God behind. I promise you, you will. Paul himself couldn't stand firm. Peter himself, when the uh, Jewish people came and, and he started looking, he said he started acting racist towards the non-Jewish people because he got around a certain sect that got him thinking a certain way and it kept him away from his God for a moment until Paul showed up because there's a good friend, showed up and said, get your butt back to the people. And Peter repents and writes later, Paul was right. He says, everything Paul says is scripture. His words are hard to understand, but he speaks truth. What's people Peter thinking of? This guy yelled at me because I fell away from God for a moment. Get good friends in your life who aren't afraid to yell at you. Listen to me. If you are trying to please man, you will cease serving God at some point or the other. Again, some of it's your family. Some of it's those friends you hang out with after church because they won't come to church with you. <laughs> I'm not saying cut these people out completely unless they affect you like this. In which case... Cut them out completely, <laughs> right? Like, again, it's because they're your second option. I'm not out of options because this doesn't work out. I still got that group that accepts me. I still have these people that love me. Well, I still have my family. And after all, family's everything. But I was born again into a new family. And too many people view their current family now from the perspective of a worldly one and not their current family from the perspective of Jesus died and placed you in a family. Listen, and I don't mean to be overly harsh, but like I feel like this is one of our pressure buttons because every time I preach on it, it's like, like but like we'll be going next week, fam. Um, yeah, um, and when I made that joke, I forgot the point. That's beautiful. Um, but so many of us, we treat this family this way. And, and again, not to sound super harsh, but let me put it this way. When, if God died to put me in a new family, if I pick the old family over the new one, I'm denying his death and where he placed me. And again, I'm not saying you cut them out completely. I'm saying, where are your priorities? And are they an option that if this doesn't work, I'll leave? Because, I mean, I have friends outside of here that is not a backup option, right? I'm saying that if my life fell apart, <laughs> I wouldn't run back to them because in my heart, I'm already submitted to what God has for me. At least in that area. In other areas, not. And I have to constantly be cutting things out of my life as God guides me. But you know what he always does that's beautiful? He places something more important, more beneficial, more satisfactory in its place. I promise. And uh, again, now Peter might need to get better friends at this point in the story. Um, but if we look at Peter in the boat with the disciples, there's 11 people cowering and one person saying, Jesus, come here. And so Jesus walked over. And then when Jesus is walking on water, only one person had the faith to walk. When 11 other people, they stayed. And I love, I used to go to the church LV, Pastor Benny Perez, and he used to say, I'd rather be a wet water walker than a dry boat talker. You know what I'm saying? And I love it. That's just a word from the Lord right now. You know what I'm saying? And it was just like he walked in, and he may have gotten wet, and he may have come back to the group been soaking, but he's like, yo, at least I walked on water. Now y'all never get to do that, right? And never again in Scripture does it ever happen. That's just Peter, and that's just Jesus. Only Jesus walks on water. That's not true. So did Peter, my boy, right? <laughs> it's possible for those who believe. And then lastly, when they come before God, and they're quiet, 
Peter says, where else can we go? And suddenly they're like, yeah, yeah, where else can we go? We were all thinking that, right? And it's like, no, you weren't, but you surrounded yourself with someone who thought right, and he brought you in the right direction. Do your friends, ask yourself, if Jesus asked you to do something crazy, would your friends look at you and be like, man, that's just not wise, and actually guide you away from that? Or would your friends push you when you try to run? You'd be like, no, God told you to do this, and you're going to do it. What kind of friends do you have? I'll tell you what. I'll tell you this right now. Uh, Thomas asked me some of the most annoying questions that piss me off all the time, and they always make me a better person, right? <laughs> he'll, he'll always challenge me on certain things. I'm like, bro, I don't want to talk. And he'll push because he's a good friend. Uh, I'll go back to when I was an intern back in the day, and uh, my, my uncle had offered me a job. Basically what he offered because he owns a business. You come out, work with me. You're going to make this much money. It was actually more money than I've ever made in my life. Still to this day. Um, this much, uh, I will pay for your house. I will pay for your college. You just come and be here. And a lot of people in my life were like, yo, go. <laughs> right? And so I, I was struggling with that in me. As I became an intern, I wasn't fully committing to God because I had backup options. Uh, honestly, from a worldly perspective, a much better backup option. Free house, free school, still getting paid this much. More than I make now. <laughs> Shout out to still for taking care of the family. I love you guys. Um, and then to make matters worse, I thought, no, I'm going to get a job at the church that I was working at. And then Thomas comes to me all excited and goes, I got a job at the church. And I was like, I hate this church so much. I hate all these people. This place sucks. They don't appreciate me, right? But, I mean, the reason why they didn't hire me is because I had 8,000 issues. But, no, it's because they don't appreciate me. Um, and I remember desperately wanting to quit. I remember walking into the bathroom by myself, and I broke down because there was too many options, too much disappointment, too much heartbreak, and, and all that. And I remember as I fell to my knees, Tom randomly opened the door. He looked at me, and he ran and grabbed me as I cried. He spoke life over me, and he prayed over me. And, and what's important about that moment is he rebuked me against the things I was thinking wrong. He encouraged me to cut out these wrong options. And what I say is if uh, Thomas hadn't caught me that day, I would have quit and I wouldn't be here now. Um, and so uh, God has done a lot in my life since then to also get me here. But it's undeniable that without that moment, I wouldn't be here. Because, I mean, I have like every week I think about quitting because emotional roller coaster. But it's never really that real. But that day, it was so real. And if I didn't have the right friend, I would be gone. And, and here's the thing. In that intern program that I would have left... I met my wife. And then because I had been trained, I was I, trained for two years in this place. When I came here, I started actually applying things correctly. And this place started becoming something healthier. We started becoming a good family. And a lot of that came from the church LV. And I wouldn't know how to build a community that loves each other, right? I wouldn't have a son. I wouldn't be living where I'm living. I mean, it, it's kind of hot, uh, especially yesterday. So, I mean, but... um. But without that, <laughs> without that friendship, I, I, I wouldn't have made it. And when Thomas and I got saved, we've told the story a thousand times. All of our friends kept trying to push us to getting high. They wouldn't appreciate where we were at. They actually made fun of it. And we made the decision, peace. And actually, since those days, only one person has come back into our life. And even him we see pretty rarely. Um, friendship is so important. Who you surround yourself with is so important. Good, good. <laughs> even, the mic, even the mic's praising, you know? Because you guys won't, so the mic has to cry out. Yeah. Straight <laughs> <Sure> there. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> Y'all I'm saying? Uh, but... <laughs> um, but for real, actually really, really critically think about where you want to be and who you want to be. No, forget that. Really critically think on who God called you to be and where God called you... <laughs> <laughs> and who he called you to be, and where he called you to be, and when he called you to be. Uh, and, and, and see, who in my life actually pushes me to be better? Because I know it was the leaders that ripped into me the hardest that I actually are the ones that I still am in contact with today and that still impact my life. And the ones that were too afraid to be honest and to really push me, uh, I mean, I don't even really think about them because they didn't really impact my life. Uh, the friends that wouldn't push, that wouldn't be hard with me, they're not really a part of my life now. But the friends like Thomas who did, like like Jared who did, like Anthony who did, and this last week when I was falling apart, I called my boy out in Texas, and I just told him what was going on. He spoke life into me. I didn't call the other people in our friend group, and it's because they don't push. They don't push me to be better. Anthony's looked me in the eyes and told me things that no one should ever tell me, uh, but he was honest. And it, and it impacts me. And you need friends like that. The truth is, many of us, if we get friends like that, we run away. And we say they don't understand me. But probably they understand you better than you think. Because they'll challenge you in ways you hate to be challenged. And our last point, uh, the main point, right, out of options, is uh, cut other options out of your life. And this is a general roll call of what is that place you'll go to if things don't work out. Like I said, for many of y'all, it's a job, um, right? So we, we dealt with, are you pursuing him for the right reasons? We dealt with, you have the right people in your life. And then just the last general roll call, what else? Where else could you possibly go? I want to read a story that I believe should be a literal thing we should take, literally. Uh, Matthew 13, verse 44. And I hadn't thought about this verse. It must have been actually years until Jesse prayed it over our prayer team last month. And I was like, yo, and I've been thinking on it ever since. Prayer works, girl. Uh, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Let's just keep that up. Jesus is saying the kingdom of heaven is like you get a moment where God begins, right? Those moments where God moves right, where you want to cry, where you taste and see that the Lord is good, you get a moment and you see, this is everything I should sacrifice everything for. And then what you have to do is go back and actually, as Jesus says, count the cost. And I say, I don't want this in my life. This business isn't worth it. These people aren't worth it. This emotion, this habit, these dreams, this desire, heck, maybe even this school, right, they're not worth it. And I got to sell all those things because there's something of more value in my life. And until Christians realize the value of God in their life, they'll always seek him for things because he's not enough. But I want desperately for everyone in this room to have a relationship with God where he truly is enough. Aaron, will you make me sound holy, please? Um, I wrote this mostly for me. I'm going to read it, and if it seems a little too harsh, just don't take it. It's fine. I wrote it for me. Um, You haven't truly started until you've let go of the other options to go back. Something I wrote down in my notebook for me. That the beginning is when I give up. Because Jesus says, pick up your cross and follow me. And so you don't follow till your cross is picked up. And God began to really speak to me about that. Of If you have other options, you're not submitted to me. 
And submission is a non-negotiable in, in salvation. And I'll say that again. Submission is a non-negotiable for the saved. Because we're saved unto a king. We're saved unto a Lord. And we submit to our God, however he's called us to be, and whoever he's called us to be. So we see Peter saying, God, where else would I go? And we see that when Jesus dies and when Jesus leaves, Peter is in a boat again fishing right where Jesus found him last time. And when Jesus appears, Peter jumps in the water and leaves it all behind again to follow him. I, I read the story of Elijah and Elisha, and, and I hate talking about them because their names are so similar. It's just, it's, it's aggravating. Um, but it was a prophet and his disciple, right? Let's just say that. And the prophet comes and he throws his mantle upon the disciple because he's done He's done. And the disciple picks up the mantle, and instead of putting it on, it says he runs to the prophet and follows him. And they spend several years together doing miracles because he left everything behind. And here's the important part that I forgot because I was excited. Uh, he went back before he followed the prophet. It said that he killed his bull because he was working in a field. He killed his option of work, gave it to the community. He blessed the people and left. And so later when Elijah the prophet is going to die and he says to his servant stay here <laughs> stay here I'm going to go on ahead his disciple says no I'm following you. Stay here. No, nah, kick rocks. I'm following you, right? And he follows him and they go to another village and the disciples of the discipler the mentor the prophet looks to his disciple and says stay here. I'm going to go ahead. And the disciple eloquently says, kick rocks, I'm following you. And he follows him again to a third city. And in that third city, again, what do you do if I keep telling you to get out of my life? <laughs> like what kind of, because if, if my pastor Jack called me and said, don't ever talk to me again, I'd be like, screw you, I'm like talking to you ever again, right? That's what's happening to this guy. And he's like, I know what God called me to do. I gave up everything else. I don't have another option. I'm sticking with you. <laughs> And he follows him to a third city and he says to him, hey, stay here. I'll be back. And he goes, nah, kick the rocks all over the city. I'm following you. And he does it at a fourth city too. And then they go. And what's important about the story is if you look, it says, and other prophets followed at a distance. They stayed safe. They had other options. Not this disciple. He had nowhere else to go. So he's stuck. And God comes and finally, the, the prophet looks to the disciple and says, what will it take to get you to leave? He said, bless me, double what you have. And he prays for him and blesses him double. Great story. All because he gave up everything and followed. He received a double portion of blessing. And then later when this, because the prophet is the guy who God takes up into heaven, he doesn't have to die, which shout out, so that's awesome. Um, and then his disciple picks up his mantle and walks forward with double the anointing. When he walks back, the prophets go, where is he? It's like, you would know if you stuck up. You would know if you stayed with us, but you had other options. You were still protecting yourself. And so you missed it. And shout out to my cool coat, right? Um, and he leaves. Jesus says, count the cost. There's a rich young ruler who Jesus says, hey, give up everything and follow me. And it says he leaves where he had much. He had too much as a second option and he could not follow God where God was calling him to go. And in the next chapter, we see Zacchaeus in a tree, one of the richest men in the city. 
And when Jesus says, come follow me, this guy gives everything away so he can follow Jesus. A man walks to Jesus and says, I want to follow you, but first let me, let me bury my father. And Jesus says, let the dead bury the dead, which is harsh. But this guy, in their day, burying was a year-long process. He wasn't saying, let me go bury dad real quick and come over. He's saying, hey, let me follow you next year. And Jesus said, no, I, won't, I might not be here next year. You don't know what's going to be happening next year. You have to submit now. It's a constant theme in scripture. Whatever the other options are, whatever the thing is that if this doesn't work out, I'm gonna go do. And if, and if I have to, these are the people that I'm gonna go with when I fall into my sins. And if I have to stay pure, I'll be pure. But if this doesn't quite work out, this is the person I'm gonna go be with. As long as those options are there, you will not stay with Jesus. It's a promise all over scripture. And, and I know it's, it's not a hallelujah moment but it's important. And we've spent the last three and a half months saying how much Jesus loves you. So basically what I'm asking you today is and how much do you love him in return? And we've paused for a long time. So I let you know, building to this, how much you know that God loves you. Ben Gutierrez, my teacher, when I went to Liberty University, said we will not understand the depth of, of Christ's love for us until we understand the depth of our lostness before him. As long as we think we weren't that bad or what we did is not that bad or hey, that other thing is not that bad. As long as we think that because we don't understand what we're giving up, we'll never give up for it. And I wanna invite you to a place where actually addiction doesn't have a hold on you anymore. I wanna invite you to a place where those people can't bring you down anymore. When people take this kind of step, I'm always called a cultist. It's awesome. Because churches have preached for so long, God's just gonna bless everything that when someone comes and says, no, you gotta give up everything, it sounds so alien because we're inundated in a culture that teaches contrary to that. But it's not alien. Actually, it is. It's alien because it's not of this world. Just like our Christ. And Jesus says himself, he goes, people who follow me will be a peculiar people. Peculiar means unique to one thing. Right? And the example I've always used, if you've gone to a house, hospital, like you could be blindfolded. If someone takes you to a hospital, you're like, I'm in a hospital. Right? Because of the smell. Because that smell is peculiar to a hospital. And so our lifestyle should be peculiar to Christians. Meaning... When the world sees it, it's like, well, this doesn't happen anywhere else, just with Christians. And one of those things is loving God with everything and having no other options. Amen. Um, I uh, I don't know how to end this. I just want to keep talking because I. This has been my week, and, and we're gonna have small groups. We're gonna be talking about this all week. <laughs> and make it to small groups. Like, oh, again, I have this going. It's like, yeah, you did not hear anything that was taught today. Um, (laughs) Nothing's more important than God. Period. Because nothing can save you but him. Him. 